I wonder this morning what would happen is we, as you were leaving the service today, that if you looked in your rearview mirror and God was in the car, you think you might have the same reaction as the guy kind of on the trailer there today. It's like, wait a minute, who is that in my back seat? Come on, right? I mean, it was just like, wait a minute. Now, see, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, we've been talking on this subject of God sightings. And, and here's what I really believe for all of us. I believe with all of my heart that God shows up more often than we realize. I think that there are more times in your life that God has shown up than you, you even know. And a lot of times the reason is, is because maybe he doesn't show up the way that we think that he ought to. Um, maybe he doesn't come in the, in the, uh, the manner that we feel like he ought to. You know, we, we begin the first week of talking about when God is silent and how that in the life of Mary and Martha and Lazarus uh, that they, they sent for Jesus and Jesus didn't show up the way that they thought that he ought to. And we, we kind of unpacked that a little bit and talked about how that in our lives that, that we have to learn sometimes that, that just because God doesn't show up does not mean that he's not still listening and not still there. Uh, that God's delay does not mean denial. Amen? Have you found that to be true? So, so as we, we begin to look at that, it, it, it kind of begin to bring some things uh, into our lives. And so uh, last year we talked, I mean, last year, ha. Huh. Last week we talked about the whole process of when God ran. We talked about the prodigal son, uh, that, that God literally runs to us, that if, if we will just turn to him. It's interesting how many times in Scripture that the Word of God shows us that if we will respond to God at all, that he will. The Bible says, draw near to the Lord and he will do what? He'll draw near to you. And, and so as we begin to look at that, uh, it really brings about into our lives th this assurance. Uh, you remember that old song we used to sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Do you really believe that today? Jesus is mine mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine uh, and and when when we begin to understand that we begin to live a different way and so in in this process of God sightings today I want to talk to you about this subject I want to talk to you about when God came near when God came near so I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of John the first chapter and as you're doing that let me welcome the campuses today and here's what I'm believing for you that as the word of God is preached that you're going to grab a hold of it that it's going to touch your life that it's going to minister to you right where you are in that campus today and that the Holy Spirit is going to make it real and alive in your life now the book of John the first chapter and the 14th verse says this and the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the, the Word of God lets us know that God became flesh. In fact, the Scripture says that, that Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that it dwelt in him. And so the infinite God moved into a finite body. Now think about that. I mean, I mean think, think about how great this story really is. I, I think we missed it. I think maybe sometimes we've heard it so often and, and it's kind of been, well, you know, I've heard this already and I already understand that. I know that. But why would God, I mean, do you realize that if he wanted to, he could have just started all over? 
I mean, he, he could have just wiped us out and said, I'll go to Pluto and start. I'll go to Mars. I'll, hey, if he made it, he can go there. Right? I mean, he, he could have done anything he wanted to. But there was something about humanity that as he created us, in fact, the Bible says it this way, before the foundation of the world was laid, a lamb was already slain in the mind of God. God knew we were going to mess up. Now, that ought to be assurance to you. That ought to be that blessed assurance. You, you remember the story in the book of Genesis, chapters 1, 2, and 3, kind of lays it out for us. God creates. He's, God says, let there be, and there is, and he goes through this whole process. And then he gets ready, and the Bible says that he creates man out of the dust of the earth. And, and then he looks around, and, and uh, he says it's not, in, 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 it's not good for man to dwell alone. I really think what he was saying is I can do better. Come on, ladies, you ought to like that. And then he created woman, all right? So, uh, and, and he puts them in the garden, and he, and he tells them, look, this is your place. You hang out here. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. Once a day, I'm going to come down, and we're going to hang out. And th- that, that just shows you the relationship that the Almighty God wants to have with mankind. I mean, think about that today. Think about how that God so cares about you that he wants to come near you. He wants to be around you. I mean, why does God want to be near humanity? Why did God want to come down in the cool of the day and walk around with Adam and Eve? I mean, why, what was that all about? And, and as you begin to know, I mean, we all know the story that, that this went on. And we don't know. This could have gone on for a year or for 10,000 years. We don't know. I mean, the Bible lets us know that a day is as a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years is as a day with the Lord. So, so this, this could have gone on for, for a long time. But the Word of God says, and you know the story, one day Satan came in. Uh, he deceived Eve. Uh, Adam partook of the fruit. God shows up and says, what have you done? And, and they all start saying, well, it's somebody else's fault. Adam says, this woman, right? The woman says, the serpent. Serpent looked around and go, I'm the lowest. There ain't nobody else. And, 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 you know, God, God comes in that part, and he, and, he, and he puts Adam and Eve out of the garden. But in that moment, he, he tells them, he says, look, he says, there's one that's going to come. And he said, that one is going to be the one who is going to bring about reconciliation. Now, that's not the way the Scripture says it, but that's what he's saying, is that, that there's going to come one one day who's going to bring this relationship back together. And so John, the first chapter there, says, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, he lived among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth and and so what we have to understand is that when sin comes in sin always alienates but guess what God does not leave us there God moves us on so so God had a desire for man I I really believe God wants to be around us I see that a, a lot of us don't have that concept a lot of us have this woe is me I'm just an old worm I'm unworthy, right? I mean, a lot of people, that's, that's their mindset. And yes, in yourself, you are unworthy, but he makes us worthy. 
But the problem is, is, is how all this came about. Look, look in the ninth verse, if you would, of that same chapter. We're just going to stay right there today. Uh, John 1, 9 says, that, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, I, I want to show you some things about when Jesus came into the, to the world, first of all, is that, first of all, the light of God came into the world, but he was unseen. Now, think about that for a minute. The light came, but he was unseen. And, and we'll show you that in just a moment. Uh, the, I, I have often been intrigued. I don't know if anybody else is. I am intrigued with people who are blind and yet who live a full, productive life. Right? Uh, I mean, Helen Keller, I can, I can remember as a kid reading about Helen Keller and just being amazed at this woman who, who, who was able to do so much. Uh, and, and Ray Charles. Come on. I, I mean, Ray Charles, and, and, and you know, had a movie out a while back, and I know some of y'all are way more spiritual than I am. You probably didn't watch it, but I did. And, and number one, I, you know, I thought Jamie Foxx did an unbelievable job portraying it, but, but I, I was just astounded how this, how this little boy uh, went blind, and yet through, through the process of, of training or whatever, he was able. Now, now, he was a little messed up on whether or not a woman was good-looking or not. Do y'all remember that? He always would feel of their wrists, and if they had small wrists, he thought they were good looking. All right, sorry, y'all are way, way too spiritual this morning for me. And, and anyway, I've seen some small-wristed women. But anyway, I'm going, I'm moving, I'm moving. I'm not going to go there. I'm leaving it alone. Uh, but but it, it's, it's intriguing to me. To, to know uh, that people can live life and, and live fullness and develop other senses that become even more keen and more aware. But, but I tell you what would be a, an absolute travesty would be someone who had the ability to see but chose not to see. I mean, think about that. Think about, about you, you, you have the ability, but you've just decided you're going to put blinders on and you're not going to look at, at nature. You're not going to look. I, I mean, can you imagine what it must be like uh, to be blind and not be able to see the face of that newborn baby that's just been born into your family? I mean, can, can you imagine a parent putting blinders on and say, oh, no, I'm not going to look at this kid? I mean, how... Right? How foolish that would be. And yet, that's what happened when Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was the light, but nobody was looking at him. They, they were just referring to him as a carpenter's son. Son, he's just a traveling rabbi. He's, well, you know, he, he's from Galilee, Nazareth. He's, he, he's, uh, he's nobody. And, and they were pushing him away, not understanding that he was the light that they had been looking for. I mean, think about it. How many of you know that, that in your life, when you lose something that, that is so important to you, that it is a wonderful day when you find it? Amen? Have you ever lost anything? If you haven't, just wait a few years. The older you get, the more stuff you lose. Right? And, and, and people say, you know, well, it's always in the last place you'd think. Well, You'd be pretty dumb to keep looking after you found it, wouldn't you? Of course, it's the last place you looked. I'm just trying to give you all my wisdom in one fell swoop today from how to pick out a wife to, you know. And, and, 
and and the, the you know the, the whole process is though, is that that the greatest thing that we ever lost was our relationship with God. And yet the light shows up and nobody understands it. Look in the 10th verse if you would. It says he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. The, the second aspect there is that not only was he the light that was unseen, but he was the creator who was unknown. The, the world, the scripture says, was made through him, but the world didn't know him. How many of you know that's still going on today? I mean, pe people live life today in, in so many ways, and, and God's near, and God's trying to get their attention. And God, you know, the, the scripture says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. Now, a lot of us thought it was just, you know, wailing on people that led them to repentance. Right? Come on, any of you grew up like I did, you know, that, that we thought that the, the, the hotter the sermon and the, the more intense that it was, the more people would get saved. And so we just, just beat people. I mean, I, I can remember hearing pastors say, man, I took them out tonight. I, you know, I really scorched them tonight. I re and, and, and I thought that's how you were supposed to do it when I went into the ministry and then I got to reading the Bible. You know, the Bible will mess you up. Have y'all noticed that it would just mess you up? And I, I've read the scripture and it says, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. I said, huh? The goodness of the Lord. And why is that? It's, it is because the creator who is unknown is bringing his goodness into our lives. And even when we're not recognizing it, even when we're not acknowledging it, he's still doing good. Do, do you realize that it is the power and the presence of God that keeps this earth spinning in its orbit? Do you realize that it is God Almighty who gives breath to almost 7 billion people that are upon this planet, and yet a majority of them don't even recognize who he is? But you know what? He's still the creator. He is still here. He is still talking. He is still desiring to be near to his creation because that's just who he is. Remember the scripture that says God is love. That's who he is. Not only that, look in the 11th verse. i got to hurry. Verse 11 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Not only was he the light but unseen. Not only was he the creator but unknown. But he was also near but ignored he came to his own and his own received him not now if we're not careful we say yeah those old jews if they just would have got it right no 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 jew gentile it doesn't matter it's just that all of us have a tendency to ignore who he is he shows up in our lives and you know what sometimes even after we are believers we ignore who he is. He's near. I, I can remember as, as a young man growing up and a teenager, you know, you get your car and, and uh, you know, you finally are free. Right? And, and I can remember people telling me, say, now, now boy, when you get out there, you, you, you need to act like Jesus is just with you. Well, I forgot that a few times, but, but I didn't need to act like Jesus was with me. Jesus was with me. 
and how sometimes he wasn't happy with me, but he was there. See, he, he's near. He, he's, he's involved. And even when we don't want him to be there, he's still there. So how do I go from this place of, of totally ignoring him, of totally just living life obliviously? And even sometimes after becoming a believer and coming into church, we have a tendency to live life like we did before we got saved. How do I come to that place of daily living with him? Well, we have to understand this. We have to come to the place where we acknowledge God. You have to acknowledge who he is on a daily basis. You have to say, Lord, I declare today that you are the all in all in my life. That it's not just when I go to church on Sunday. It's not just when I show up at a religious meeting. Lord, it is every day of my life I am declaring you are Lord, acknowledging him. Look in verse 12, the first part of verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If I want to get God in my life, every day of my life, the first thing I've got to do is that I've got to receive him. How many of you know that it's, it's not enough just for somebody to have a gift for you? Now, I don't know. I, I am not one of those persons who refuses gifts. I mean, I like gifts. If you're just wondering, I, I like them. I don't have a problem with receiving. People say, oh, no, 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 I'm unworthy. No, 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 if you give me something, bring it. I'll take it. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't understand this, this whole scenario, oh, I'm unworthy. Well, okay, 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 I'm unworthy, but can I have the stuff? Yeah, and, and we approach this, this aspect with God a lot of times as, oh, I'm unworthy. He knows that. That's why his son came into the earth, died on your behalf, rose again the third day, ascended upon high, sat down at the right hand of the Father, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. But the Scripture also says, he, speaking of Jesus, ever liveth to make intercession for you. You know what? I don't have to be good. He was good enough for me. All that I've got to do is I've got to receive him. Lord, I receive you into my life. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. I can't do anything to get it. I mean, I wish I could. I, I wish I was good enough. Am I the only one? I mean, I, can I confess something to you this morning? Can I? Okay, I'm just checking. I like to be in control. Have y'all noticed that about me? I, I don't. It just. It's. I don't mean to. It just comes out. I, I try to sit on my hands sometimes, but it just. It's just part. I like to be in control, and yet what I found out about serving Jesus is is that I am totally out of control. Even my salvation, I couldn't control. The Bible says that, that we only come to the Father when the Spirit draws us. The, the Word of God says that we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. I mean, my, my faith wasn't even mine. Read that Scripture. 
It's by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, that's a gift of God. What is? Your gra- the grace and your faith is a gift of God. And so this whole thing is totally dependent on God. And God says, if you would just let me, if you would just receive me, I'll change your life. I'll change everything about you. I'll bring you into relationship with me. You think Adam and Eve had it good. I'll make it even better than what they had. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth in your life. I mean, it is so wonderful to be a believer. I I really, I want to give you a statement today, and I want you to hear me. If there were no heaven... And if there were no hell, being a believer is still the greatest life ever. You say, well, pastor, when you get saved, you can't do this and you can't go there. Do do you realize all that stuff that we can't do, what it does to us? Well, if you you really get saved, you know, you got to be true to your wife. Yeah, that's pretty wise. You know, number one is frying pans can hurt. <laughs> N- number two is, you know, you can pick up stuff out there from other people. Ajax won't take off. <laughs> Do I need to break that down? Uh, you, you know, there, there's, there's all kind of stuff. Well, you know, Pastor, if you get saved, you know, you, you shouldn't drink, shouldn't do all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen anybody that just every day gets drunk? I mean, have you, have you seen their bodies? You, you had a doctor look at their liver? I mean, come on. We, we, we get all these things. We say, oh, I've given up so much to be like Jesus. Yeah, cirrhosis, lung cancer, AIDS. I didn't give up anything that was worth anything. I mean, those of you who were drug addicts, what'd you give up? Sneaking up under the house and taking a hit of crack so nobody know it? Spending your kids' money? I, I mean, is, is that what you, you want to tell me what you gave up? Give me a break. You didn't give anything up. You gained the whole world. Jesus Christ came into your life to change you. And we just receive him. Lord, I'm not good enough. I didn't do it. But, Lord, I thank you that you came near. Now, I just receive everything that you have from me, and I just take it. I'll never deserve it. I'll never be good enough. But, Lord, I sure am glad you gave me the gift of salvation. And we just receive it. i got to hurry. The latter part of verse 12 says, to those who believe in his name. Second thing you got to do after receiving is you've got to believe. I receive, but then I believe in his name. The scripture said, in his name you shall lay hands on the sick. They shall, in his name. It's through the name, understanding that the name Jesus Christ, the Bible says it this way, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When you come to that place of understanding, you know what? I believe, Jesus, that your name is above everything else. It's above every sickness. It's above every disease. It is above every sin problem in my life. It is above every addiction. Amen. I mean, I, 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 I want to get this and say it and move on, but, but do you realize that nobody sins anymore? Have you noticed that? There aren't any sins anymore. We just all got issues. 
I mean, do, do, do you realize how many different kinds of addictions we now have? I mean, I mean, stuff that we used to just say, that, that, that fellow's just sorry, he's low down. Now, oh, that's an addiction. Now, I'm not, I'm not making light of addiction. I know that there really is addiction. But I also know that there's sin as the root cause of every addiction. Amen? Now, don't get mad at me. I, I definitely believe that sin is the root cause of every addiction. And so what we've got to do, yes, let's deal with the addiction, but let's deal with the root cause as well. And let's believe that the power of the name of Jesus Christ is able to deal with the root cause and to move us into a place of freedom. The Bible says it this way, whom the Son sets free, that person is free indeed. And so if I want Jesus near, if I want him in my life on a daily basis, then not only must I receive him, I must believe that his name, his authority is greater than everything else. Look in verse 13 and we'll close. Verse 13 says, who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh. In other words, it's not according to man nor of the will of man, but of God. The third aspect of walking in this relationship with the Almighty God is that you must be born again. That, that term's kind of fallen out of, out of use lately. It's, it's kind of gotten to be just a, you know, almost a cliche. But you know what? Jesus said, you must be born again. I, I, I want to tell you something. I believe with all of my heart that if you really get saved, it'll change you. Amen. I'm not, I, I, I want us to understand that. I, I, I know God's a forgiving God and God's a loving God. I believe that with all of my heart. But I want to tell you, if you get saved today and you act the same way tomorrow, something's not right. If you're not working on certain aspects of, of how you talk, I, I mean, I want to tell you something. I still remember all the words. Are y'all all right? I could cuss you out in a heartbeat. <laughs> What's wrong with y'all? Some of y'all act like when you got saved that, that you became an angel. Let me tell you, you are never, number one is you're never going to be an angel. I don't care what a wonderful life says. <laughs> number two is that stuff's still in my cranium. Now, I haven't been using them. What's wrong with y'all? I don't use them, but I know them. Why don't I use them? Because the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about this whole struggle that's in the life of the believer. Those things that I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing, those things I want to do, I don't do. He said there's this war that's working in me. And, and a lot of times we stop there and we start justifying the war. Keep reading. He goes on to say, though, but thanks be unto God, which giveth me the victory. See, I believe being born again will bring you into victory. Yes, I know we struggle with sin. Listen, you are going to struggle with sin till the day you die. Ever met any perfect people? I've met a few who thought they were. I've had people say, since the day I got saved, I've never lied. And I go, just one. 
I mean, I'm going to think. I don't think I have this morning. Come on, work with me. You know, I, I don't go around trying to. I don't, but, but you know what? There's, there's this whole aspect, though, that, that I am. Con- the, the Bible talks about moving into perfection, of, of coming to that place where we work on what's happening. I am born again. But how many of you know when that baby is born again, it's fully human, but it's not fully mature? And how many of you know when you get born again, you're different? But there's still some things you're going to have to work through to become like Jesus. The issue is not, did I fail? The issue is, did I get up again? Proverbs says, a righteous man falls seven times, but arises again. In your life, God loves you so much and he is so near to you that even when you fail, he's your greatest cheerleader saying, get up and try it again. Get up. You can make it. You say, Pastor, why would God care about us that much? Because he knows there's an eternity waiting. Do you know that hell was not created for humanity? Read the Bible. Hell was not created for us. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But because of our willful sin, we now have this choice to make. What's my eternity going to be? And God cares so much about our eternity that he has done everything possible to keep us from winding up in hell. His only begotten son came to this earth and came near to us. I want to tell you, I don't know anything else that he could have done. He loves you that much. He loves us. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you and me. Do you believe that today?